Welcome to Ag Matters, a podcast where we talk about both matters of agriculture and why agriculture matters. Here's your host, Dr. Amanda Stone, Mississippi State University Assistant Professor and Extension Dairy Specialist. Okay, so today we have Dr. Jamie Larson with us. Dr. Larson, I appreciate you coming. Can you introduce yourself a little bit, please? Sure. Um, So I'm a research and teaching faculty member in the Department of Animal and Dairy Sciences, and most of my research area is on applied reproductive management strategies for both dairy and beef cattle. I also teach uh, our undergraduate animal science course, which most of our students take as freshmen. And then I also teach our physiology of reproduction courses, um, which students will take a little bit later on. And we we talk about reproductive physiology and, and how we manage reproduction in our livestock animals. Perfect. And so I think a lot of people who aren't involved in the agricultural industry don't actually know that there are reproductive physiologists for animals, right? So that's pretty cool. Um, There are them for people too, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But you don't specialize in people. I don't. I don't. In fact, I try to dodge (laughs) questions that are related to human medicine. Right, right. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Um, So I think one of the controversial issues that I would like to discuss on here is a question that I get asked as a, you know, extension dairy specialist, I get asked pretty often, um, is why we separate AB calves from their moms in the dairy industry. So can you touch on the reasons for that, please? Sure. That is a good question. And it's one that, um, people talk about a lot. They, they see a brand new baby calf. And um, of course, they're very, very cute. But on a dairy farm, we're already looking at that calf as a future producing cow. Um, so it's important that we keep that calf as healthy as possible. And one of the ways that we can do that is by removing um, the calf from the cow as soon as we know that, that she's born. This means that the, the calf is removed from that calving environment where we can have some bacteria that are housed. And it also means that that calf won't suckle from the cow um, and possibly transmit any microbes or diseases that way. So we're trying to keep that calf as healthy as possible and, and sort of let it start its its life um, as, as good as possible. Another reason is that eventually we're going to need to feed that calf from a bottle or a bucket. Um, we house calves individually, typically, um, and so they will be able to drink from that bottle or bucket. Um, and we don't want them to have to transition from learning to suckle from the cow and then having to suckle from a bottle or a bucket. Um, that can be a difficult transition in a time period where the calf really needs um, maximum nutrition. So. By starting that calf off on the bottle or the bucket, we're eliminating that tricky transition from from cow to to bottle. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And so on the the first reason that you talked about, um, can you talk about the immune system in a calf and why that (laughs) – you're giving me a funny, like, I'll lead you into this, the answer that I want, okay? So so there is not placental transfer of immunoglobulins or antibodies in calf cows, right? So they're getting all of their immune system starter from colostrum, the first milk, right? Whereas in people, that's different, right? They get it from the mom in utero. So if they're consuming manure and bacteria as their first meal, that is not good because they don't have the immune system to fight it off. Yeah, yes. So 
We know that a calf, especially when it's first born, has kind of a um, a, a dirty entrance into the world. Mm-hmm. And if we can remove it from that um, calving environment as quickly as possible, then it is less likely to um, ingest any of those contaminants. Um, you mentioned colostrum, and colostrum is important. We want to make sure that calf gets some colostrum. It helps pass the... Um, immunity that the cow has established really throughout her whole life and helps pass that immunity on to the calf. So we still want that calf to get the same nutrition, to get the the colostrum. Um, We also will do things like warm the calf if it's cold outside, um, make sure that we're actually watching and that it's drinking that colostrum. Um, We can do some other measurements like take its temperature if we're worried about it um, being sick. So we can do a lot of things when we're carefully um, watching and handling that calf as soon as it's born. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we can have very individualized care, right? So can you talk about kind of what producers are doing to make sure that they get milk, like the calf replacer versus, you know, whole milk from cows, what yeah. the options are? Um, so typically, Well, there's a couple options, and this tends to vary from dairy farm to dairy farm. One option is that we can still collect um, the milk from the cow, and we could pasteurize it, which is the same process that we use when we drink cow's milk that we buy from from the store. So we know that we've killed any bacteria from that milk, so when we turn around and give it to the calf, um, we know that it's milk that's free of bacteria, and further the calf isn't suckling from the cow, so she's not being contaminated by any um, bacteria or manure that might be on her udder. Mm -hmm. Um, We can also buy milk replacer, um, and there are different forms of milk replacer, um, and so we can just use that, and that's used probably more commonly on farms, so don't have a pasteurizer and and don't pasteurize Mm -hmm. their own milk supply. Mm -hmm. And we make sure that they get fed at least twice per day, right? And that they're getting all of their nutritional requirements that they would get if they were on the lawn. Right, right. And something interesting that before I came into the dairy industry that I didn't realize myself and I think other people don't is how unmotherly dairy cows actually are. That it, I know that it, it isn't easily understood to people not involved in the industry why we separate, which is why we're having this discussion. Um, but have you had that experience where you've seen a calf be born and the mom doesn't even clean it off or anything? Yeah, sometimes um, she won't even act like it, it's there. Um, and so if we don't intervene quickly, um, especially if it's if it's cold outside or if the calf happens to be born in a lot of mud, um then the calf could just lay there and 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 die from hypothermia because mm-hmm. it's it's wet and she hasn't cleaned it off. Um, we also typically don't have cows calving in an individual calving pen. Um, they might be calving with other cows that are about to calve, and we never know how those other cows are going to respond. Whether it would be intentional or accident. Um, we don't want a calf to get stepped on or, or to be treated roughly by another cow either. So the, the quickly we, more quickly we can remove that calf, generally just the overall safe, safer it is and, and mm-hmm. healthier it is. Mm-hmm. And on the topic of um, safety, we can transition on to how calves are created, right? The birds and the beasts talk. Sure, <laughs> sure. Um, somewhat of an awkward conversation. 
Um, but I do teach reproduction to a, a room full of 20-year-olds, so I'm somewhat used to the awkward conversation. <laughs> but um, one thing that we do very commonly in the dairy industry, much more commonly in the dairy industry than in the beef cattle industry, for example, is we practice artificial insemination. And there are advantages and disadvantages to artificial insemination, but one of the primary reasons that the dairy industry has become so efficient, um, we have far fewer cows than we had 50 years ago, but each cow is producing more than twice the milk that she produced 50 years ago. And the biggest reason for that advancement has been in genetic selection. We can really choose the best genetics um, from anywhere in the world and bring them to our farm by using artificial insemination. Um, and so we're removing the male from the picture as, insofar as from our farm, right, that, that um, mm-hmm. the sperm is still coming from a male somewhere. But we don't have to have that male on our farm, and there are several advantages to that. One is that dairy bulls are notorious for being obnoxious and aggressive. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And there are times where we might chuckle about that, but there are also times where it is very serious. And Mm -hmm. and dairy bulls are are known even more so than beef cattle bulls for being um, very mean and producers could be killed mm-hmm. by those dairy bulls. So and that can, does happen. It like does it's happen. It's not just pe- something people yeah, talk about. It does happen. It um, and of course, we would never want that to happen or even anyone to, to have to worry about an aggressive bull. So by removing them from the farm and using artificial insemination, that's one big advantage. Um, so we have access to the best genetics. We remove those males. We don't have to pay for their vet bill. We don't have to pay for their nutrition. They're they're off the farm. But that means that we have to get that sperm to the female ourselves. And that's the process of artificial insemination. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you've visited like AI companies where the bulls actually live and they live in the life of luxury. (laughs) They work in quotations a few minutes a day or every other day, right? And and they're in heat or air conditioned, depending on the the season. Um, They have as much nutrition as they could possibly want. They get to stand around and um, discuss life with their other bachelors around (laughs) them. Um, So they are are living very well. Yes. and we don't have to then deal with them on the dairy farm, mm-hmm. yeah. which is nice. Yeah, they're nicer to each other than they mm-hmm. are to people, probably. Yeah. Yes, probably. <laughs> and so when you teach your class about how to artificially inseminate, right, you probably go through the, the steps of it. And I don't need you to go into graphic detail of this, but can you kind <laughs> of explain what happens, how you proceed with artificially inseminating? Sure. One, one of the main differences is that we put... Um, much fewer sperm in the cow when we use artificial insemination compared to natural mating. And the reason we do that is because it becomes much more efficient. We can take one ejaculate from a bull and divvy it up to many females um, and and use that smaller dose, we call it, in, in a cow. So in order to make that work, we try to deposit the sperm as close to where it needs to go as possible, which means when we artificially inseminate in cows, um, a producer or a technician would insert their left arm into the rectum of that cow, which helps guide the, the insemination rod through the cervix of that cow in her reproductive tract. 
Um, so we can kind of grasp the cervix. We can get that sperm where it needs to go. We can do that by using a smaller dose of sperm. Um, and one big difference between cows and humans is that cows have a very depi- defined period of sexual receptivity. And we call that standing estrus. Um, during that time, the cow is driven by her hormones. And her hormones are telling her to stand stand there and allow that bull to mount her. Um, so when we artificially inseminate, she tends to be a very willing participant mm-hmm. and she will just stand there. I've, I've AI'd cows that are just standing in a pen, um, not even being restrained. So it's certainly not a, um, an uncomfortable or a painful experience to her. And um, as far as she knows, it's just mm-hmm. it's just another day. Right. What's supposed to be happening naturally to her is we're helping the process. Right. And probably actually a little bit easier for her, I would say, because she doesn't have 2,000 pounds on top of her while it's exactly. happening. So, yeah. yeah. Which is another great um, advantage to, to AI. We don't have uh, – we have a less lesser chance of um, injury because that bull is not mounting the cow. We also have less chance of disease transmission because we don't have um, copulation actually happening. So any sort of disease or bacteria that might be transmitted in that process, um, it becomes much more cleaner when mm-hmm. we use artificial insemination. Right. It's not just people who have sexually transmitted It diseases. is not yeah. just people. Yeah. And That's they do right. a lot of testing where, with the bulls that are available, right, to use their semen. And they make sure that they don't have anything that can be transmitted. Right. So Disease-free. And they also look at the quality and the quantity of the sperm that they're producing. So not only do we know that there's, there's no disease, but we know that the sperm that we're buying um, is high-quality sperm. It's been evaluated under a microscope, um, and it's even got some added antibiotics and nutrition to help keep that sperm alive and healthy. So, so we know what we're buying is, is a good option. Perfect. Um, and prices are very across the board, right? But you can get semen for a lot cheaper than what you could to house and pay for nutrition and everything for a bull. So economically, yeah. it helps. Economically, it, it um, again, there's a there's a wide variety in the cost of, of semen, but you could buy doses of semen for, for 20 or $25. Um, not every cow will conceive either from one natural mating or from one round of artificial insemination. So sometimes that would have to happen multiple Mm -hmm. times for her to conceive. But um, overall, economically, probably the biggest gain you're getting is the better genetics and the offspring that are Mm -hmm. born as a result of artificial insemination. And that would offset any cost that you spent in buying the semen. Mm -hmm. That makes sense because you wouldn't have access to those genetics otherwise just for a herd bull. Yep. Yep. You can't buy that top genetic bull. Mm -hmm. Um, there's you don't have enough money, but you could buy the top semen from that mm-hmm. genetic bull and and take advantage of it that way. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, so, on conception and pregnancy rates, what are the differences between artificial insemination and using a herd bull? If the timing is is correct, the, the conception rates are are actually pretty similar. The one thing that the bull is better at doing than humans are is detecting when that cow is in standing estrus. The bull is really good at, at knowing when the timing is, is right. And so a lot of times we'll use something we call estrus synchronization um, to try to synchronize 
when that cow is in standing estrus so that we know when to artificially inseminate her. And we don't have to rely on visual signs, visual behavior um, changes to know when to AI her. So that's probably one of the advantages to to natural mating is that the bull is really good at at knowing when a cow is is ready. Um, But if we use estrus synchronization and try to make AI just a normal part of the daily management of the herd, it becomes much more feasible. Mm -hmm. Well, and again, relating it back to humans, it's similar to if you had infertility issues and you were going to be inseminated at a fertility office, Mm -hmm. um, you would give yourself shots of the hormones, which are similar to what the cows are doing. Right, right, right. They kind of time you out for that, too, because the doctor is not going to come to your house at... 2 a.m. when you decide to ovulate. Yeah. Nope, nope. Um, as much as we can synchronize it, it makes it easier, um, especially for the labor side. And we, we don't want to be spending all day, every day out AIing cows. And mm-hmm. if we can synchronize their estrus cycle, um, we can really make it so maybe Tuesday is our AI day. Mm-hmm. And we've synchronized a group so that we know on Tuesday that's the day we're going to go out in, in AI, and we don't have to make it a daily management practice. It becomes a, a little bit more manageable. Mm-hmm. Right, and there's so many other, I guess, processes and things that the labor on dairy farms has to deal with and wants to deal with it. That is not something that they can or want to deal with all the time because we're too busy taking care of our cows, right? We're doing, making sure they're not sick. We're making sure they're clean and Getting milking a cow them, milking them, them. Yes. Them. yeah. So there's other things that help the cows more so than watching them 24 seven to get pregnant. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I appreciate you coming in and answering all of my questions and other people's questions too, because I'm sure they are very interested in reproductive I'm sure. physiology. I'm yes. Sure. <laughs> yes. So I appreciate it. Be sure to tune in next time and like and subscribe. Ag Matters is produced and supported by the Mississippi State University Extension Service.